Okay, well, to start, you all know that I'm supposed to be talking about the bully inside my head. Um, I've learned in what I know about public speaking, or speaking in front of a group of people, which you are, um, it's a good thing to start with a story um, that people can you know, relate to, or at least find touching, I guess, and then eventually go to the point you're trying to make. So I'm going to start, I guess, with my life story, or at least, you know, the stuff that matters for me. And that's probably going to start from grade one for me, even though, you know, I've had obviously parts of my life before that. Um, grade one was where conflict started to come on in my life. Um, well, for grade one and two of primary school, I started at Launton State School. And during that time, I seem to remember myself being a pretty cool kid, actually. Like, I was the guy who always took along the coolest toys. Um, I was the cutest kid. I had nice, really blonde hair and really blue eyes. It was, stood out a lot. And I wasn't old enough to be stinky and smelly. Um, but I'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, at the end of grade two, um, going into grade three, I moved to Petrie State School. And it was pretty hard, I guess, because suddenly I had no friends, even though at the time I didn't actually care that much because I actually really liked having my alone time and I didn't care that I had no friends. But for pretty much all of grade three, I have no memories from lunchtime apart from just walk, I literally walked around in a circle um, for all of my lunch breaks for the entire year without friends, just humming little tunes to myself. I don't know how I did it, but I guess I liked it. <laughs> but, um, I guess it didn't really get me off to a good start with knowing how to talk to friends and how to have friends and be confident with who I was because the only person I had to impress was myself. And it also didn't help that I was a really smart kid because I was at school because I was there to do well at school. And for other kids, if they're not there to be there to do well at school, then they're there to have friends. So they do really well at having friends because that's what they're there for. Um, but about halfway through grade four, um, my teacher came to me and said, Bo, you have no friends. <laughs> Can I get like a bunch of friends to, a bunch of guys to like come and sit with you? Maybe you'll become friends with them. And um, over the next couple of weeks from there, I actually managed to become good friends with one of them. So that was pretty much the one best friend that I've had ever since grade four. Um, out of the rest, most of them just kind of dispersed away. And they didn't really care too much. I wasn't their sort of friend, and I was okay with that. Still had a friend. <laughs> um, going into grade five, just the year after, uh, there was this new kid that came along, and he was pretty fat, I guess. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, and he had some very special needs. Um, he'd just come from his last school, having thrown a desk across the classroom because he was upset with the teacher and the class around him because they made fun of him because of the fact that he was fat. And 
he loved all of his Mario games and that didn't help him very much at all. <laughs> um, but I liked to see myself at the time as someone who never did anything wrong. Uh, I really liked helping people out, especially those in need, and I found myself to get along better with all of the people who didn't have friends as well, uh, just like me, because, you know, we had at least something in common. Um, you know, I didn't feel a need to impress them a little, I guess, as well. Like, there was nothing to lose around people who have nothing already. Um, so, I managed to be friends with him from grade five just to the end of grade seven, but from from that point on, I didn't spend my lunch breaks um, walking around in circles or playing soccer as it was for most of grade four. Um, but we played a game with him where we all pretended to be Mario characters <laughs> or eventually we just pretended to be whoever we wanted to be and it was it was pretty fun at least for most of the time. Um, but of course still I didn't have many more friends than just those two people and towards that sort of time I was getting pretty sick of that and I wanted to have more people because I was feeling not so fulfilled in who I was around everyone. Um, I felt lonely for the first time ever I guess. Like my, my alone time was lonely time rather than my happy time. Um, so also in grade seven, I started doing the F1 in schools uh, program where I make the, the miniature Formula One cars where we race them down the track and do all the marketing for them, make a pit display, do a verbal presentation. Um, it was it was pretty good. Like I got to do verbal presentations in front of judges. That was like I got to work on my public speaking skills. Good setup, I guess. Um, but going into my first state finals, um, I realised a part of myself that I didn't like because um, I was so smart at doing everything. Um, and being primary school, there was no one better than me because there weren't enough people around. And I liked to make sure that everyone knew that I was the best. Um, but going to these state finals, there was this one particular person on our team. Uh, he was the manufacturing engineer, so it was his job to uh, make the car out of the balsa wood, um, sand it, paint it, put the wheels on it, that sort of thing. And uh, he had a little brother at home who liked to play with the cars because it was a cool car toy, uh, something that no other kid would get to have around the house and that kind of messed with the manufacturing process. And I got pretty mad at him because, you know, I wanted to go all the way to world finals or national finals, whatever it took. And so on one of the days, I think it was up at Rockhampton or Bundaberg, one of the two, um, yeah, I had a, a big rant at him because he wasn't doing his job as a manufacturing engineer. The car, we had a lot of broken ones and we had to use a lot of super glue to get things back together. And I guess I kind of told him that he was worthless on the team. And he told me right then and there that he just wanted to leave the team because we obviously didn't value him. And he did. And <laughs> for me, I just realized that what I've done you know, 
like in part of me wanting to be the best, I'd you know let a perfectly good person down, even though it wasn't necessarily their fault. You know. Um, yeah, going into grade eight and nine, I was in high school, and you know everything had started to go together and. I knew that deep down that I wanted to get more friends and I wanted to work on the fact that I was I had such a big head and that I bragged about everything and I know at the very least that from the very beginning of grade 9 um to the very beginning of last year so that was just a one year period um I made a huge change um I think there are some pictures I would like to show as well. Kirk, if you could put up the PowerPoint. Um, I'll start, it starts off with a picture of me when I was a really little kid. And you can see me there next to Kai. I'm, I'm the one on the right. That's the kid that everyone loved in grades one and two. And um, the picture I'm going to show after this, there's a, a slide before it to show what most people's reaction to it is. <laughs> um, yeah, the actual picture now. Yeah, that's me. I can't remember when it is. I can tell that it's at school, uh, high school, so it's probably somewhere in grade eight, maybe the beginning of grade nine. And a year later, if you'll go to the slide after that, that's who I've become <laughs> in just that short time. And there's a lot behind that that makes up who I am now, but that's just a visual representation of the huge amount of change that I've gone through over the past two years, just. Um, so yeah, you can pull that down if you want. Um, so I think it was somewhere in grade nine, uh, two years ago in 2012, um, I, w I went to the men's camp for, the, for my first time and it was on one of the nights I said that I wanted to become more confident with talking around people um, that had more friends so that I would get to have more friends. And I guess for me it was a bit of an investment that I wanted to make. You know, I wanted to make it a part of who I was to be able to talk to people more. You know, there were bonuses, of course, to being able to do that, you know, in the academic field. I'd be able to talk to people high up pretty easily without getting embarrassed. So there was that academic part of it, which for me at the time mattered. Um, so it seemed worth it. So I asked for some prayer for it. And for the next six months without, I sort of forgot about the fact that I'd been prayed for with it. Um, but looking back now, I can tell that there was a major turning point there. Um, you know, turning to God, wanting to make that that decision in my life that I wanted to be a different person, it did end up having a change. Um, but last year, um, I was in grade 11. The year before that, I was in grade 9. So there's a gap in there. I didn't do grade 10. Um, the reason I told everyone that I did that was because I wanted to extend my academic studies. And it was a part of the reason, you know like because I was getting bored in the classes I was in, you know, I was getting lazy because there was no point in working on the assignment until it was the day before it was due because I could still do that and get an A+. Plus. 
Um, lucky me, I guess, but. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, there was also the reason that I was starting to become more like the last pictures of me that you saw there. Um, I was becoming a more socially adept person. Um, I was able to talk to more people and inside my own grade, um, I knew that people saw me as a nerd that was like that second picture of me and with all the shaggy hair. That's who I was to them. And I went to grade 11 so that I could be a new person in a new co cohort and you know, be able to redefine who I was to myself, I guess. Um, further develop myself and be happy uh, with who I was around people. To be able to say that I have friends, you know. Um, so that was, that was the real reason for why I changed and it's hard for me to tell people that when they just ask me in general conversation. So there's that easy way out, I guess. But um, One of the benefits of being in a new cohort of kids was that you know, I didn't want to be the very best because I knew that there would definitely be people better than me. You know, everyone's a whole year older than me. There's no way that I can compete against them. That whole academic level of schooling was gone for me what I wanted back in primary school. Now I could really focus on having friends because I wasn't there for the academics anymore. Like it's only, it was only ever gonna matter in grade 12 when it's actually coming towards my OP. Um, so I could, I could focus on getting friends and it, it really was a really big year last year. Um, everything, <laughs> I started off with no friends and ended up with being friends with pretty much everyone in the entire cohort. You know, everyone knows my name, sort of thing. Um, like, I mean, REA was a big part of that as well. Um, the F1 in Schools program, I mean, um, right at the beginning of the year in March, I was up the coast again at a, no, it was down in Melbourne for national finals, my third national finals in a row, um, trying again to get to the world finals. And we didn't end up winning, we came second and got to collaborate with the team that came third to go to the world finals towards the end of last year, which I'm pretty sure most of you heard about because everyone was talking about it. <laughs> um, but for me, the biggest part about doing F1 in schools wasn't the fact that I got to be an academic engineer guy who designed the car and led a team of people. Um, but it was the people I met. Um, like that third state finals I went to, there was a photographer that came along and he's come from a really tough background in his life and he's still not necessarily a clean guy as I would probably say. Like, you know, he swears all the time and he just doesn't have the right sort of thoughts. But because I'm so used to growing up in a really nice family where everyone says nice things, you know, you get used to that. And um, he was rough, like he swore. And I found it funny. I don't know, some people probably wouldn't, but it just made me laugh so much, everything he said. And somehow we became friends just because of that. And he thought I was awesome. And 
Uh, it, was, it was meeting people like that in my life that really changed who I was again because I wasn't being the safe little Christian guy who didn't want to hear the swear words. Um, I was friends with all the rough kids, you know, and they were still pretty cool as well, so you, I got that element of it. Um, where am I going to? Uh, I'm supposed to be talking about the bully inside my head. Um, you saw the pictures of me being a nerd, and you, you've seen the pictures of me being who I am now. And I've told you about who I was before and who I am now. But there's an extra element to it. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but I know that there are parts of me deep down inside that are still hanging on to who I was a bit. Um, not necessarily like they're a burden still weighing me down that I have to shake off, but it's like the memories are still there. Like I'm still just used to myself being a nerd and I know that everyone loves me, but it's hard when I go and talk to someone to remember who I am now. Um, and I guess a big part of that is when I'm talking to girls, like, I don't know, it's just a perfect example, I guess, because normally, so far my entire experience of girls has been that, you know, there's absolutely no hope for me because <laughs> there's everyone else there, but I, I know really that, you know, I stand a better chance because I'm a different person to who I used to be. But there's that part of me deep down inside that can't remember that. <laughs> and I'm still stuck in who I was. And it hurts because, I don't know, I guess I have a deep mind. I can think about really complex problems, but I also have deep feelings. So if I feel sad, then I feel really sad. And if I feel really happy, then I feel really happy. You know, I've, I've got that element as well, but it's feeling down that really makes me feel down, um, especially around girls. You know, if my experience, my total experience of having a crush has been like, you know, it's just everything in between the good signs of them probably liking me back, where I doubt that half of those signs ever existed, you know. And I sort of beat myself down without really knowing it, and it's just feeling sad. But um, just this week, I've realised um, the meaning of the whole silver lining around the clouds. You know, no one could ever tell me until I figured it out why there is a silver lining around this cloud, or what it means as a saying, anyway. Um, but it's because there's a sun behind it. <laughs> um, and personally, I really like it when it's winter. I really like it when it's raining. Um, that's just who I am. Some people like it more when it's summer, but I guess metaphorically, you could say that it... I also like when I'm sad, I guess. Like I take something out of it somehow. Um, it fills me up in a way. It makes me feel happy, I guess, just like, you know, most people wouldn't like having a cloud overhead, but it makes me happy sometimes. Um, 
I think I'm okay with that, but it's the fact that, you know, everything in between there, I'm feeling bad about feeling bad. So it ends up being bad. Um, but I think if I go any further into that, I'll start to alienate most of you. Because um, I'm supposed to give a message that you can all relate to. Um, but in, in general terms, if I go out into the city, let's say, and I just want to go and shake hands with as many people as possible, and let's say that throughout the day I shake hands with 100 people, and I feel really good about myself, but somewhere in the day there was this one guy that slapped me across the face, and even though I shook hands with 100 people, I'll remember that one slap really badly, and it'll torment me for the rest of the day, you know. It'll make me feel a bit doubtful of going to shake hands with more people. Um, and I guess that's a bit of the cloud with a silver lining as well. Like, I'm not sure how, but for me I know deep down that there's a bit of relevance to that and how it works in my life um, with who I am and who I have been. Um, but I also know that if I were to go out doing the same thing um, and a hundred people slapped me across the face but want this one guy actually shook hands with me I would really like that one guy a whole lot <laughs> and I'd want to go and be friends with him probably for the rest of my life and I think that's how I got my first two friends and that's you know, that's where you can really easily see the cloud with the silver lining. But, you know, it's also there in reverse in the other situation. Um, but for me, what that means is I'm going to have down times in my life. But it's only going to make the good moments feel really good. And same the other way around. You know, if life was entirely good if life was entirely summer with the sun always out, you'd get a bit bored of it. And, you know, we experience it here. Have too much sun, you say it's really hot. It's good for a little while because, you know, you can go outside, but then you sort of want the clouds again. Um, I guess for me, I've still got a bit of journeying to do in finding the gap so that I can, you know, get a more balanced roller coaster ride, if you will, so that it's not so so high up and so low down. And I know that I have been getting better so far. Um, but I try to, with every situation I get to, I try to put it into who I am to, so that in the future situations to come, I can, it can be a part of me. Um, but because we're at church, pretty sure you're supposed to have like a Bible verse to go with it. <laughs> Because people like to open their Bible and read something. Um, anyway, I found Jeremiah chapter 29. Um, and that, this is around the time when the Jews were in exile in Babylon. Um, and Jeremiah is writing a letter to all of those in exile. Um, I think I'm going to start at verse 4 because that's after it's given all the big intro stuff. 
Um, but it says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> um, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And you can go on from there, and it's really cool, but verse 11 really sticks out to me. Um, with the whole roller coaster ride, clouds with silver linings thing. Um, I know that all along the way, the reasons I'm having the ups and downs is because it's part of God's great plan for me. Um, I know that when I'm having the downtime, I'll appreciate what I get. Like, I struggle probably with talking to girls, but I also know that when and if I eventually do get a girl, I'll really value them and I'm sure that most girls would probably like that sort of feeling. <laughs> but, you know, I guess that wouldn't happen if I've had 50 million girls and they don't mean anything to me, you know? Um, but in all of the stuff before that is talking about the fact that they're in Babylon, they're in exile, they're having a tough time. Um, but it's like what Carl was saying this morning, you know, they're still making the most out of it. They're multiplying, they're growing in numbers. They're not listening to all the bad things around them, like the bully inside my, my head, I guess. And I know that the bully inside my head, the, th the things that he's bullying me about are a bit different to what he would bully most people about, because... I don't know anyone who's dealing with the same sort of problems as me. I know that there are lots of people who can do so much more with their lives but don't end up going that way for some reason. Or maybe they doubt their self. I don't know. But there's something inside their head that's telling them they're not good enough. Something that says that you know, it's not the right time and that it never will be. Um, I know that I probably should have come and said that rather than being the bully inside my head it's you know the enemy trying to talk me down but for me that's never really what it has been even though that I know that's what it is it's easier for me to think of it as a bully because then when I'm having a hard time being sad when I'm at rock bottom I can tell that bully to go away, you know. I can tell him to stop because he actually has no words over me. Like, I've always found around school that 
the bullies never affected me. If someone said that I was a nerd, I kind of thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but the bully inside me had always meant more, but now I know that when I call him a bully, what he says to me is kind of funny. <laughs> so, I don't know, that's just the way I like to think about it. He's a bully inside my head. For you, it'll all be different things, but I think, Dad, could you come up and help, I guess? Because <laughs> I suck at endings a, a bit. Um, <laughs> no, not yet. Because... Um, <laughs> We're going to get you all up, I guess, um, or whoever wants to. You know, if there's something in your life or something inside of you that's telling you that, you know, something's not supposed to happen when you really know that you would like it to um, and that it probably should be happening, you know, that's something that we want to free you of. And I know that. There's no easy solution. I could read all the books I possibly wanted to on, you know, the battlefield of the mind, for example, like, you know, all you have to do is this one trick and then it'll all be better, you know, because you can't just do it. You know, you need to work it into yourself over time, I guess. Like with Carl was saying the other night, the couple that was apart and they, they couldn't just get together, that, that doesn't just happen, <laughs> you know. You know, that's a really obvious example, but I think that we need to push that into other things in reality. Like, for example, the fact that we're, we are holding ourselves back, and I think that's, that's where I want to go now. Yeah. So, um, could we get everyone who is having problems with that sort of stuff, I guess, to maybe stand up and come out the front now? And, yeah, play some guitar in the background, I guess. Because I would like to pray for you. Maybe some other people would too.